this is the in focus podcast from the hindu hello and welcome to the in focus podcast i'm ji sampath your host for today's episode punjab was one of the states where the congress was perceived to have a strong regional leader with captain amrinder singh leading the party to victory in the 2017 assembly elections but now he has been replaced before the end of his term Charanjit Singh Channi a Dalit Sikh MLA has been sworn in as the new chief minister with just a few months to go for the assembly elections in early 2022 what prompted this vote of no confidence as it were against captain Amarinder Singh where does the choice of Channi leave Navjot Singh Sidhu who was widely seen as a contender and an alternative to Singh within the Congress party in the bigger scheme of things and how does this change affect the party's chances in the forthcoming elections We explored these and other questions around the change in Punjab chief ministership in a conversation with author and commentator Amandeep Sandhu. Amandeep is the author of Punjab Journeys Through Fault Lines, a work that is part reportage, part memoir and part contextual history. He is also the author of two novels, Sepia Leaves and Roll of Honor. Aman, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Sampath. Lovely to speak to you. Aman, uh, to start with, uh, why did the Congress Party feel the need to replace Amarinder Singh uh, just a few months before the elections? You know, it is funny that we we don't know how Congress is thinking. So all the talk is really going to be speculation and what we infer from news reports. But going back to uh, how Captain has performed in the last four and a half years of this term, there were early signs of actually what i call a royal indifference to people's issues in the state and to me the change of guard now actually seems to be a little late in the day because ideally this should have happened 2 to 3 years back and uh, you think uh, there was enough to sort of make that kind of a decision even 2 3 years ago yes and let me substantiate that with a few examples you know uh, captain's biggest uh, draw in mostly urban middle class india is the fact that he is he speaks good english he speaks hindi he has a personality of what he calls a soldier and he's an ultra nationalist and he always gives statements which actually toe the bjp line you know whether it was when the the army major dragged a civilian in kashmir or whether when it was on kartarpur sahib corridor you know the whole fracas that happened with siddhu at that time uh, whether he keeps baiting pakistan all the time and saying oh enemy presence enemy presence this has actually endeared him to to the middle class india you know they think that okay our border state punjab is safe in captain's hands but inside punjab his uh, his popularity rested on some other factors remember punjab is a state with 56% sikh population and when we go back in history in 1984 congress badly messed up with punjab whether it was operation blue star or the anti sikh pogrom in delhi and other cities and the sikhs did not have much faith in the congress in fact something like that when it happened say in karnataka where i now live congress has almost never been able to return you know to power 
but uh, not not at the level of Operation Blue Star. But I mean, when when Rajiv Gandhi sacked Virendra Patil, you know, like so after that, the Lingayat vote has never gone to them. But in Punjab, people see Amrinder actually as a rebel Congress leader. He is someone who is within that party, but he takes pro Punjab stance. For example, in 1984, after Operation Blue Star, he resigned. Uh, just before uh, his last tenure to got over, he passed a abrogation of Waters Act. You know, uh, the treaty was called, and uh, termination of Agreements Act 2004 which the Congress leadership did not like at all. Uh, Sonia Gandhi frowned on it. At that time, Manmohan Singh, the Prime Minister, frowned upon it. But Captain had made his brownie points with the people of Punjab. Similarly, this time, in 2017, when he came into power, before that, he effected a change in the Punjab Congress leadership and threw out Pratap Singh Bajwa and became the Congress head. And he threatened, in his biography, he says, he threatened the Congress that he will go and form his own party. Average Punjabi, mostly Sikhs, they like this kind of a stance by Captain. And that is why he had the popularity among the people in the state. In fact, when I was traveling Punjab, wherever I would go and ask, and this is before the 2017 elections, they would say, not Congress, but Captain is fine. You know, So that was the kind of reputation he had. But when these elections were uh, coming up, in December 2015, Captain, the Aam Party pressure was high. They looked like they could win the state. The Akalis were sort of routed because of the sacrilege incidents and the Kotkpura shootout in which two men had died, you know. But Aam Party was a threat. And Captain took a vow on the Sikh religious text, the Gutka Sahib, that within four weeks of getting elected, he would... Uh, you know, break the back of the drug issue in the state. That is what he said. He also said that he would uh, end corruption in public office and he would provide employment to unemployed youth. During his campaign, he promised that he would, you know, end the sand gravel mafia in the state. He would end the transport mafia, the liquor mafia, and he would give farm loan waiver to all the farmers and the laborers. But as soon as he got elected, and he got elected by a massive you know, majority, uh, as soon as he got elected, he kind of forgot all his promises. So the farm lower waiver, there is no real computation of the figure, but it is about 73,000 crores. You know, this is what universities have projected. Till date, after four and a half years of you know, being in power, he has only waived off 4,624 crores. So you see the gap between what he promised and what he did. The drugs mafia isn't over. In 2018, actually, the people of the state protested for one whole week, saying, where is the solution to drugs? And same goes on with sand gravel mafia. In fact, after the first year of his rule, I went to Punjab and people were saying, oh, you know, this is just Akalis in their 11th year. By next year, they were saying Akalis in their 12th year. This is the image he projected to the people. And personally, he remains inaccessible. Now, this is what is happening inside the state, while outside the state, the image is that, oh, this was a Congress bastion, and Congress has, you know, done some harakiri by changing captain. 
But the fact is that even within Congress party, two years back, the MLAs questioned him. Last year, they were trying to do a feedback from MLAs on performance. The exercise was called off. And this year, three times the CLP met and the, the, the ministers and the MLAs were not happy. So basically, you know that the farmers' protest is going on in the state. Akalis can't go and face the farmers. Aam Aadmi Party hasn't got its act together. But even Congress was finding it difficult to go and face the farmers or the protesters because they haven't delivered. So that is why I said that this should have happened actually two years back. He should have moved out. A younger person, a more capable person should have been brought in. And it wouldn't have become this big a news that it has become now. So why do you think it didn't happen two years ago? Is it because uh, the legislative uh, party was too much under... Uh the control of uh, the captain or is it because the high command had uh, uh, fully backed him uh, up to that point? Definitely the high command backed him but also we must remember that the last two years were corona years. It was very difficult to actually do something on the ground you know and we were all firefighting corona. Of course Punjab's death rate is 2.6. It is the highest in the country. Uh, So again there they didn't really do well. Um, but it was also captain's grip on the state machinery, you know, the, the postings of police and the bureaucracy, everything was under his, his grip. And, uh, you know, there could be a discontent, but it takes time to bubble out. And I'm sure if all these, you know, I might, I, I should make the statement. I think that all these, uh, current leaders and MLAs and all that, wouldn't have been able to remove captain on their own. They needed a maverick like Sidhu to come and do that. And I think that is Sidhu's utility. You should not give him more than that much. He's only good for this and you used him for it. It was nice. It's very interesting, uh, this perspective which is coming from you because in general what one hears uh, is that uh, uh, here here was the Congress which finally had a leader with a mass uh, support base in a state that it controlled. Now they are basically shooting themselves in the foot by giving unnecessary importance to a maverick like Sidhu uh, for God knows what reason and why they are not happy with Amarinder Singh who got them the state which they desperately needed when the BGP was sort of rolling them over across the country in all the other states. And now uh, it looks like uh, Amarinder uh, did have it coming from what you're saying. And uh, it's very interesting because now that you have uh, Sidhu who has played the role which probably someone needed to play, as you said, we have uh, Charanjit uh, Singh Channi as the new chief minister. Now, uh, wouldn't there be a set of expectations that would come with it? Because uh, Sidhu would obviously want to be uh, at the forefront of the assembly campaign. But at the same time, you're projecting a new face altogether. So how is this dynamic uh, going to uh, play? So it's very interesting because some of us who have been long-term Punjab watchers and we don't read Delhi Press because Delhi Press historically has never been able to understand Punjab. Otherwise, we wouldn't have had so much happening in the last seven and a half decades in Punjab. You know, like, So Delhi Press <laughs> is devoted to Delhi and Delhi and Punjab have been old, you know, sparring partners through history, through 700 years, you know, like so and it hasn't changed in independent India much, you know. But uh, but the the real point is that um, 
some of us thought that Sunil Jakhad makes for a good candidate, you know, though there is a notion that he's more urban, but he's also a Hindu face and Punjab has consistently had Sikh chief ministers after the trifurcation of Punjab. Before that, we had Hindu chief ministers. It has mostly had Jat chief ministers in the last four decades at least. Zail Singh was an OBC chief minister. Gurmukh Singh Musafir was an OBC chief minister. No, he was not OBC. He was Khatri, I think. You know, uh, so there is this notion that Punjab can only get a Jat Sikh chief minister. And I was like, why should that be the case? I mean, why can't we have a Hindu chief minister who is actually well loved? I mean, nobody has any issue with Jakhar. But his candidature was actually undercut by, sorry to say this, but Hindu leadership within the Congress, you know. Then there was Sukhjinder Randhawa, you know, who was in the anti-captain camp, who actually sort of, he and what is called the Maja Brigade, they sort of propped up Sidhu in the first place. But I haven't seen any demonstrable work by Randhawa in the last many years for him to actually merit a chief ministership. Ambika Soni, for some reason, central leadership of Congress imagined that an urban, non-Punjab-based leader like Ambika Soni, of course, she's representative to Rajya Sabha, but we know Rajya Sabha seats, how they go. Uh, she should be the chief minister. And that was very weird because, I mean, she wouldn't even get Punjab. And then there is Navjot Sidhu. Now, as I at least believe that he was good to do this job, but he is, in my opinion, not a CM material. And see, a CM has to have a very different personality. You know, they have to be, they have to listen. They have to, you know, get and understand people's issues. They have to take decisions considering all their various family, their party members and all that. But Sidhu just speaks off the cuff. He just creates laughter and he cracks jokes. You know, he does his one-liners. I have never seen anything again demonstrated in terms of, you know, administration by Sidhu. You know, I mean, Punjab has this old river water and electricity crisis. Sidhu was given the ministry, but he didn't do anything there, you know. And Channi, I think he was to a large extent a dark horse. I don't think anybody really betted on Channi. His being propped is a very interesting, to me, a very interesting phenomenon. Because, yes, he's Dalit, but then they say about one-third of Punjab is Dalit. But, and there are historical issues of Jats versus Dalits. Uh, but to me, he represents something even more than just a Dalit chief minister. He represents a, a Sikh people who are actually the commonest of the common people of the state. You know, and he doesn't come from a political family. He doesn't come from, you know, any of those elite structures of society. He's a, he fought his first elections independently. He later joined the Congress party. He's a well-educated man. He has a master's. He's a lawyer. He has an MBA and he's now doing his PhD. And he has performed fairly okay in whatever portfolios we gave him till now. And he comes from a marginalized part of Punjab. See, again, Punjab has these regions within it, like every state has. But there is an area called Puad, which is the eastern part of Punjab, which historically has been neglected. So he stands for all these other values which are also required in public office. And yes, he is symbolic, no doubt about it. 
but the Sikh community at least should remember how Manmohan Singh becoming a prime minister actually post the militancy years, it changed the image of Sikhs in the country, you know. And why shouldn't that happen with Dalits now? It is high time that they are recognized and if benefits can be given to them, they should be given to them. And I think it's a good thing that a common man has become a chief minister instead of, you know, one of either the royalties of the Patiala family or the pseudo-royalties of the Badal family. Those are the guys who have always been in charge. Right. It's very interesting that you 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 point to the common man aspect of uh, the choice being Chani. And, and coming to uh, the political or the electoral side of it, I mean, it's off. Often people point out that the Dalits are not a monolithic community and, and tokenism uh, doesn't uh, work in a linear fashion. So can you talk about how the choice of Chani could affect uh, the Congress's uh, support base among the different Dalit groups? I mean, there are the Valmikis and there are other groups which are traditionally uh, been with the Congress, but there are other groups which are not uh, necessarily Congress voters. They are, they are, they are, the BSP has its own... Uh, base there and it's got an alliance going. So how does this work uh, in this scenario? See, the Dalit question in Punjab is very interesting. First, it is not the kind of caste system that is in the rest of the country, at least in the Hindi heartland and even in South India. You know, it's not that kind of. It is, um, there is, I mean, it's beyond the scope of this podcast to actually talk about, you know, the, the, the genesis of the Dalit community. Uh, just know that Punjab being the border of the Indian subcontinent has faced influx of people for the last 3,000 years. So, you know, in many ways, I mean, the bloodlines and the gene pools have all mixed in Punjab. It's a huge cauldron uh, to talk about it. In other ways, it is actually in some ways the hypothesis of Shudra culture. So there is no high caste really in Punjab. You know, mm, recently Haryana Jats were protesting for reservations. So you know that. So... So, but it is political economy, it is the dominance of the caste because it has the land. And land is the real currency in this agrarian political economy. Um, then they've also taken over the religious institutions and political power. But the Dalits, uh, what we call Dalits, it's a new term, it's just about a century and a half old. You know, the other, other trades in Punjab, I would call it, they are mutually fairly, you know, uh, um, in clash with each other. You know, the Mazabis and the Adharmis and the Ramdasiyas and the Ravidasiyas. You know, so it is really not a monolith. Yet, for most part in the last few elections, they have remained with the Congress as their primary vote bank. The rural Dalit population of Punjab. And by making Channi a symbolic leader as of now, uh, you are sending a message out to them at least. It neatly cuts through SAD and BJ, BSP, you know, the Akalis and the BSP coming together, or Ahmadmi Party projecting that we'll make a Dalit deputy chief minister. Congress has played its ball, you know. It's it, it been a good decision that way. Will it get the entire 31.9% to Congress? No. If that were to happen, then Congress need not even like do anything for the elections. No? So there will be a lot of lobbying happening. There will be a lot of whisper campaigns. We have to yet to see what Captain decides to do. There are indications that he might jump boat. You know, so it is all open yet. We don't know really what will happen. 
I'm sorry, you said something about the captain uh, jumping ship. I mean, uh, what what does that mean? Do you mean? Yeah, l- last night he was quite clear that uh, he will personally oppose Navjot Singh Sidhu getting elected because it is his national duty and it is his love for Punjab, you know, which will uh, make him, you know, oppose Navjot Singh Sidhu. Now, how will he oppose Navjot Singh Sidhu when he is the CLP leader of Punjab, you know? So, so either he... I mean, I don't know how the Congress will do it. So he'll have to go to another party to do that. And uh, we know the overtures from BJP and AAP are in front of him. You know, uh, it will be very sad if he do, if he goes, but uh, because it will be a betrayal of much more than just captain, I think. But then there are uh, Swiss bank cases. There is sugar mills cases. There is his uh, romantic interest, this Pakistan defense analyst. You know, so all those factors are there. You know, so we don't know what will happen. Right. Now, uh, moving on to uh, a more uh, on-ground kind of an uh, issue. How do you see the positioning of the three parties uh, or the three major parties on the four uh, traditionally sort of important issues in Punjab? Drugs, illegal sign mining, uh, farmers issues and uh, the religious uh, issue as well. See, the religious issue is more or less over now. You know, it isn't a big issue. Of course, uh, over... With that sacrilege and desecration uh, happening. Over in the sense that they are not happening right now. But justice for Bargadi, uh, where the sacrilege started and the Kotpura firing and the Bebelkala firing, that is, again, something that Captain promised to deliver, held a special assembly, took back consent from CBI to to probe the cases and finally the Punjab and Haryana High Court this last April they they, they trashed the, the the investigation you know this was that was one of the things that the proverbial last straw on the camel's back you know because he's he seems to be saving the Akalis the Badal family you know so anybody who comes into power now or is going into elections they will have to definitely promise that they will solve that issue, that those crimes, you know. As far as farmers' income goes, uh, I don't think the state can do anything. That's quite clear from the farmers' protest. It is center which is controlling everything. The state can only ensure that, you know, the processes, earlier processes continue, that all these parties will ensure. Illegal sand mining, not only sand, but transport, liquor, slash, slash, I really don't know if anybody can solve it because everybody is hand in glove in it. All the parties, you know, everybody's leaders are part of this whole thing that is cooking. And uh, those are the only sources of revenue for them because otherwise there is no money coming into the exchequer at all, you know, like, uh, so how will they solve it? What will they do is a much bigger question. Um, Drugs, again, drugs, you see this Mundra port thing. You know, yesterday 21,000 crore, six months back 72,000 crore. See, in my book also I argue that Punjab is on the golden crescent. Afghanistan is the producer of opium. It has to get out into the world. Punjab was one of the routes used for that because the Gulf War happened, the, um, the Balkans were closed, Iran was closed, South Russia was closed. So it was finding its route through Pakistan and Punjab to come in and get out into the world. And now maybe Punjab is getting a little strict. So it is trying to find its way to the Mundra port. 
every party will promise that we will work against drugs but the what has been seen in the last few years through this whole sit that captain created the amount of infighting within the police over the drugs the implication of police officers in the drug mafia it needs a very strong will to do anything about it and i hope any part party that comes into power next does something about it it's it's interesting you mention about the need for a very strong will now with uh, with the choice of uh, charanjit singh chenni there is a lot of feel good element uh, going on uh, but his one of his deputy uh, cms is op saini i mean what signal does that send about uh, political will uh, to crack down on the drug mafia because he has some kind of uh, alleged links uh, which are not very the signal it sent is that the high command congress still doesn't understand punjab it still gets into this compulsion for a hindu face and a sikh face and a dalit face i mean that is what they have tried to do with the cm and two deputy cms but they could have chosen brahm mohindra at least you know like Uh, it just shows that there are forces working there which we don't really know how they work but definitely op saini has cases against him and one of the illustrious police officers sashikant in 2014 he brought out these names Nine, 7 years have passed i mean there has been no investigation into that and it must be checked it must be sorted out right i think we are running out of time uh, aman any concluding remarks that you want to say uh, maybe focusing on, on on how the siddhu channi uh, combo is going to uh, get along or not get along or how they going to serve each others uh, common agenda of doing well for the party in the no i think they will both get along that is not my concern my concern is siddhu should not overshadow channi and the bigger concern is channi alone should be left to do the work see see the djp change has taken 3 days they can't sort it out you know today the secretary has been changed but the djp is still hanging this kind of delay is not good you have to send there are 3 months left you have to send out immediate messages to the public and to the bureaucracy you know so i just hope siddhu does what he does but he allows channi to function he doesn't act like a super cm but even more than that and this is my personal thought is that if congress wins the next election they should bring channi back as cm they should not give the cm post to anybody else else it will look like they were using the dalits to win the election which is a very wrong message to send to any community right that's a sobering uh, thought to conclude on thank you so much aman for joining us and sharing your insights uh, pleasure talking to you thank you so much sir In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by The Hindu. We'll see you soon.